Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall, that's Nick, and we're going to be diving into some fun talks today that you can go enjoy uh, the discussion on uh, the HyperClean Specialist page. That's where we go and continue most of our talk. Nick, I did get a beer back into the uh, one beer, though. One beer left. Uh, that's all I have in the old beer fridge. This is freaking Hazer Beams. It's a pale ale, and they call it Lush and Exotic. Did you ever think that there would be a beer that was described as Lush and Exotic? I uh, think you shouldn't really ask me because I don't know what's going on in that beer market. It's a it's a real strange vibe, if you ask me. It's a lot it of words and people and... You got to drink these or you got to drink that. So I'm not the right guy to ask. Well, maybe one day, huh? Maybe one day. I knew it. I, maybe one day you will be, son. <laughs> uh, that's funny. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to sell this week. Uh, Nick and I hope you, hope you don't take it too hard. I uh, hope, uh, hope you, you got, you know, plenty of good self-confidence, but apologies, brother. I'm selling you. I, I'm, oh, yeah? I'm selling you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm selling you on telling us about your food addictions and how once you start eating something, you can't stop because Friday night I'm driving home and I get the text, Hey, you know, some stepson wants a McDonald's. I go, fine, whatever. Whip yeah. through, grab it. But I'm smelling those fries. Oh man. Dude. And I'm hungry. <laughs> yep. And I'm like, Oh, I'll just have one. I'll just have the second. I literally at one point had a handful <laughs> of fries. I know that and feeling. I was shoveling them into my mouth. I ate so many that I was like, oh shit, I gotta pull over. I've gotta go stop by the other McDonald's by, <laughs> by the house because I uh, ate so many of his fries. Dude, There's no way that I, I wasn't gonna show back up to the house when he had like three fries in his bag. I was like, no, I can't do it. So I was like, dang it, Nick. I mean, I knew I should have, but damn it. You told us that you could only do, I, I couldn't, I couldn't just do one. I just yeah, shoveled either. and shoveled and it made for such a horrible weekend. Listen, I woke up Saturday and I was craving French toast, right? Like fried eggs, bacon. Like it yep. just started this trail. It's just, of oh yeah. You, fat. you already went down it. You fried down fat it. <laughs> started on Friday night and continued all the way until last night. No, it even continued today because I showed you the leftover of my hamburger. Like I was craving them big hamburgers, a big juicy hamburger. Got to put bacon on it. Got to oh, put yeah. more cheese on it. Like, dude, this weekend was horrible. Horrible yeah. for you. It's, it's crazy how that happens too because it's like it just out of the blue and all of a sudden one thing triggers and then it's like four days gone. Just Any eat new food whatever you want. Yourself? Wait, maybe no. we shouldn't ask you because now you're going to go start this trend. Listen, no. Dairy Queen's already told us they're out of they, they can't, yeah, they out can't of the keep that lizard. in stock anymore. So uh, I'll I'll tell you what's worse than actually well, not worse for your health, but you ever buy something that looks real good and then you have it, you're like, wow, this is horrible. We kind of had that happen. We bought she bought some cookies at the store or whatever, and I'm like, man, these things look great. Took two bites. I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever had. 
And now you're looking at the box and you're like, man, I wish my fat ass had some cookies to eat. I wish these were good. I mean, it works out in your benefit, but we actually had, I don't have anything like the Dairy Queen thing. And the last time we got it, you know, kind of threw me off of the Dairy Queen scent. You you know how they already have soft serve in the blizzard, but then if it's like kind of melted, how it's really like mushy and it, I, I had to, I had to take a break from the, from the blizzard because they just, they weren't up to, they weren't up to snuff. They weren't like that first time. And you know, there's nothing like your first time, Marty, you can't go back. <laughs> uh, let me tell you what I'm buying this week. There is nothing like an exciting title fight. There's nothing quite like something that lives up to the hype. Big UFC fight this weekend, Kamara Usman and Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards getting the brakes beat off of him pretty much. Fight's over. About a minute left in the fight. Head kick. Dude's out before he hits the ground. He beat the champ. And the place just goes crazy. I mean, it's like announcers can't believe what they just saw. Nobody can believe what they just saw. And there's something cool about that excitement, right? You know, I jumped off my couch. I'm like, wow, I can't believe what I just saw. Like, you just are stunned. And, you know, for those that aren't into those types of sports, there's still nothing like a big title fight and something crazy happening in the fight. Uh, and so I'm going to buy that this weekend. And that's, that's kind of what I spent my uh, Saturday night doing this week. Okay, cool. Uh, listen, post in the group that I found to be really interesting. Many people are also liking what you're doing on a Saturday. They're probably going to buy Nick on a Saturday. Some many people have been waking up more and more. And join Nick on a Saturday, even though I sold you, maybe some people are going to buy you there. Yeah. Listen, I mean, look, there's always going to be haters. That's what we know, Marty. That's what we know. <laughs> you didn't expect it to be your buddy, but here we are. <laughs> he, he said he made a comment in there, really enjoying what you've been doing. And I, I know the last episode that you just put out was really going to be interesting for people to hear and dissect uh, what you talk about. And listen, I loved it. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I listened while I was mowing. Uh, Sunday, we were expecting rain. It never happened. So I threw on the headphones and, and went and mowed the yard real quick. And, and I, listen, it, it really brought me back to the good old days of, hey, welcome to Real Talk with Nick and Marshall. Right? Hey, like, it really it was. It was, it was right in your face, real talk about what's going on in the industry, man. And I, great job. I, I think it was awesome. Uh, your opinion about taking, uh, about taught you like we it's one of the things that we've talked about and we've we've brought it up two or three times over the past years how hard it is to really listen and trust the people that are around right oh, we have tough. what we call talking heads of the industry and i was thinking about this after after you you gave your your talk and listen everybody needs to go listen to it it's a great episode is you think that, you know, we've always been saying this, that, you know, there's just few people that have really stayed in the industry long-term, whether they're salesmen or, you know, we used to detail and now we're leading this podcast or, you know, we used to detail and now we're selling this and, or they just been a kind of around the industry and never have fully been into the business and hands-on growing a business of service, detailing a car. And I go, just trying to think through that. And I go, is it because details too detailed? Like, it sounds really odd to say, but 
we literally, because I'm looking at my wife's car and I was, I was doing some stuff on it uh, Sunday and I go, wow, we see too much. We know too much. We're too, it's almost like we're too detailed for everybody. And that it, everybody else is doing this and we're doing this small little things trying to, you know, are we too detailed as detailers? Is that a thing? Look, you kind of said it. I mean, the purpose of the episode, you know, that, that maybe got lost because we were talking about some nerd, you know, I was talking about some nerdy stuff is, is just how many people represent themselves as experts, right? That's what you and I have been really been getting at the last couple of years is, man, we're watching guys really have to make life-changing decisions very early in this recession that they shouldn't have to make. And where did it come from? Bad expert information. I mean, you and I have harped on that forever. But I do think the hardest thing about staying in detailing and staying around it is it can wear you down, right? You you get caught up in really small stuff that nobody else sees, but your pride and your ego and you, you want things to be a certain way. And you also have to realize what's this person paying for? You know, going back to the hyper clean specialist group, Dustin Stanley just today shared a a post about destroyed interiors and the way that those customers act. His happens to be a corporate customer, a, a, a re, not not a retail customer, but you do all this hard work and then somebody doesn't love what you did, even though you thought you went above and beyond, man, that, on a destroyed interior, that can wear you down probably more than any other service that you provide because you were in a stinky interior on top of this person kind of moaning and complaining. Right. And this is a tough thing that that's what we got to get across. Too many people act like it's just like, Oh, well, I'll do this the rest of my life. I don't know, man. We don't see the stats don't show that. So it doesn't matter what your opinion is or my opinions are. It matters that most people are finding a way out because they didn't really have a sustainable view on what was going on. Is and this is this is a statement that I find that will be, will will tell. You're you're either going to be the kind of person that agrees with it, or you're going to be the kind of person that doesn't agree with it, right? Detailing detailing doesn't go beyond the wash, right? Like, there's plenty of people that think you just wash a car, right? It, detailing is washing a car. It's it's just cleaning a car, right? Like so. Detailing really doesn't go beyond that. It's all lumped in. Or you're the other type of person, right? And you go, no, no, no. Detailing just starts at the way you wash a car. And it really is about the process of how you, the favorite word that everybody loves, dialed in, right? Like if you can dial in your process, then you're starting the detail of it at the wash. It doesn't, it's not, it's not just a car wash and a detail. No, the detail starts at the washing of the car. Like few people, few people would go into the intricacy the way you and I define how hard it is to go and properly wash a car. Oh yeah. I mean, dude, I've shared this before and it's on YouTube. Go, go find somebody that does training for a massive company in our industry saying he doesn't know how to wash a car. That's, that's a, to me, the worst message. And I remember hearing it years ago and I'm like, I was just taken aback. And I'm like, that, that isn't what this is all to me supposed to be about. doesn't mean I'm right. I'm just saying, I don't, 
look at polishing or washing a car or PPF or ceramic coating. I don't look at these as individual things that one's better than the other. It's just all what somebody's paying me to do, right? As a detailer, or if I'm detailing my own car for those DIYers listening to it, these are all just processes I may do on my own. They're not so much isolated from one another. And explain to me, somebody you know that polishes paint to an elite level that can't wash a car and get it squeaky clean and ready for polishing. The answer is there, that doesn't exist. They may brush you off and say, Oh, I don't care about washing cars. Well, if you leave dirt behind and it gets in your pad while you're polishing, you're going to have a pretty bad day. You know, you're, you're going to be in a pretty bad spot. So I think you kind of make it right is if you're going to do a maintenance detail on a car, there's so many people that call it a car wash because the way they wash cars is not the level of maintenance. It's just, let me get the dirt off the surface. I don't care what it looks like. And so I think it's a great point. It's a great way of thinking about it, but how many customers don't understand that something goes on after the wash there, there's kind of been the failure of our industry that you and I've talked about. We're, we're too worried about one another and not worried about explaining to the customer where detailers fit into their life. Hmm. <laughs> where does a detailer fit into everybody's life? It's almost like it, it's not possible to, it's sort of where we go back to, right? Like there's so much out there to do that so few people are going to want to be detailed. Oh yeah. No question. I mean, look, we, we see this all the time. Guys get older in this industry. They make a little money during the boom times. And then all of a sudden they're quote unquote paint correction specialist, right? There's all these jokes. These guys are saying some funny stuff on TikTok. I don't know them. I wish I knew them enough to give them credit where they've been doing it 25 years and they obviously do a ton of paint correction and paint restoration, but they still do interiors. You know, those guys know what the bread and butter is and that you need to be able to detail the entire but think about how we've gone in this industry. Now we got guys that have been detailing for five minutes, calling themselves paint correction and coating specialists. Uh, you know, it, it, just because it's easier for them than climbing in and out of an interior. That's what it really comes down to. And they're allowed to like what they like, but we all know that detailing is a lot more than just cleaning rims or polishing paint or putting a ceramic on. So much more. And that's what makes it tough, right? Like that's what oh, makes dude. it so incredibly difficult to, sort of where I was going, I was thinking just so big, like so much to do. Few people can just continue to do it for so long and get every little process always because the way you finish a car, right? Like delivering the car really starts at how you began to prep it. We all oh, know there, right? Yeah. It's a whole journey through. And if you don't start detailed, it makes trying to get, you know, maybe you start sloppy, you can't dial it in once it's already sloppy. Whole process no. has to be dialed the whole time. So as yeah. as more and more people get into, well, awareness of the community that we have here, uh, get into the hyperclean products, so many people are beginning to, whether it's in that group or other groups, start to ask the question, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> any pointers? Seems like everybody always wants pointers, whether or not they're, you know, just starting out, I'm uh, fresh into the business. This is the fun one, right? I'm getting some business cards, any pointers mm -hmm. for getting customers, right? Like everybody wants pointers. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm having trouble with team members, any pointers? Uh, hey, I, oh, yeah. I'm really trying to grow my 
coding business, any pointers? All right, so let's let's do some pointers, right? I think it'll be fun. Let's do some let's do some Nick pointers. Uh, and the way <laughs> we do pointers is we actually want to talk about problems instead of pointers. It really has become, I think, in my journey, is more beneficial to understand problems that arise and things that that I need to look out for as opposed to how to do something. I generally should be able to figure out if I want to go get a customer, I, I should be able to figure out. Uh, like, you better slow. You better slow down, dude. You're uh, you're way out ahead of most people. I mean, you know, you know, pointer guy, dude. Okay. Come on. Point, you're true. Yeah, that is. That's true. Pointer guy. Pointer <laughs> guy does. Yeah. Pointer, yeah. Right. Okay. So we won't go into that. But problems. Right. Problems. Problems that arise. Right. So let's think first about products. Okay. The biggest problem that you think guys would run into, and this is just overall, yeah. biggest problem that somebody might run into, you could go, you know, it's tire shine that's going to fling down the side of a car, yeah. right? Most of them do. Could be glass cleaner that they say streak free, but actually streaks. Yeah. Could be, you know, hey, uh, having a problem with, uh, you know, cleaning a car outside in the sun, right? Yeah. The biggest problem that you think guys are running into with a product? Well, I think you know this one because we see it internally, and this is the great thing about growing as a company. I think largely guys don't understand chemicals. I think that's the biggest problem guys face right now, starting out as a DIYer or starting out, you know, starting your business. Understand where chemicals, let me give you an example. Where does Revive, our interior detailer, fit, and where does a harsh APC fit? Well, you don't have to buy a harsh APC if you buy our APC, which is a different base than most on the market. Uh, you know, what about bug cleaner? You and I have run into this very recently. It's bug season. People don't realize how harsh traditional bug cleaners are. Uh, so they may inflict damage or come and, con you know, screw their own car up because they don't understand chemicals. I think the the thing that we don't start, and, and I think I was guilty of this because of when we started in the business, we were kind of flung to the wolves, right? Like, Hey, these are the three chemicals that kind of, this is kind of how they work, but then you had to screw them some things up. And then you started to realize what works and what doesn't. I think today guys, you can't look for every single answer on a website or on a bottle. You, you got to back away. What am I trying to accomplish? You know, what do I want to get through? How safely do I want to do it? Because again, OEMs are putting us in some tough spots on interiors and exteriors and piano black trim on the exterior that, that, you know, gets screwed up even, you know, just looking at it. And, and so I think really it starts with the basics. We see a lot of people that have done a lot of cars and their careers taking off and they don't understand chemicals. And you and I can see it coming from a mile away, like, just wait. You're, you're headed down a path of you don't know what you're doing. You're not asking anybody. You're just churning and burning. We're, we're rooting you on, but you got some burnt front ends coming, <laughs> coming really soon. We had a conversation just recently when about bug cleaner, right? So I think it's understanding the basics. So many people want to leap over that, but if I had to do it all over again, I would have had a much better grasp from the get go. I think that's a big problem for people. Yeah, good call. I, I'm going to go with, I think uh, it's similar. It's close to what you're saying. And there, there'll be some similarities to it. And I'm going to go with it uh, just because a label says that it's going to be something doesn't mean 100% of the time. For instance, 
I've got a carpet stain. Product on the label says stain remover. Does that mean that it removes 100% of every stain that's ever in every single carpet? No. There you go. Yeah, it's like, a great example. Sometimes, great example. sometimes it'll clean some of it, and you got to find something else that'll clean it. Most detailers, most people that are been cleaning cars for more than a couple of years have figured this out. You generally can figure out, okay, this product is going to do most of the things, but sometimes, for instance, bottle says tire shine. That means it's going to shine tires. However, if the tire's too old, it won't, <laughs> it won't really give a good shine. It's going to absorb too much. So not every single tire is going to be shiny. Yeah. So that's the way I, when I thought of the biggest problem, that's what I thought. It's like, I think sometimes people think that, well, just because it says it on the label, it's going to do it hundred percent of the time. But it's a great, that's, that's a great way of looking at it. I mean, look, we just had this conversation internally about, about tire dressing and, and some things that somebody had said, and you're exactly right. When we started asking questions, it was like that person again, because there wasn't a base of knowledge, couldn't really answer questions and we couldn't help them shine the tire to their level. And again, you know, how do you reach high shine? How do you get low shine? How do you get that medium shine? How do I dilute a dilutable tire dressing? This is what I mean, you know, piggybacking on you of when I understand what chemical I'm using, I cut down on wasted time. I make it safer and I get better results. And so you know, I'll give you an example that nobody but you is privy to. We had a guy spend a couple of days in my shop here who has done some big time, led some big corporate training on polishing. Marty, when I called you, when you talked to him, he's like, yeah, Nick uh, knows a lot more than me. And Marty, all I did was know how I can deal with compounds and polishes and pads in a efficient way. And he was like sitting here and kind of felt self-conscious. I'm like, Hey dude, we just know different stuff. Well, what it came down to when I took the 10,000 foot view from what I did those two days, which was what here a month ago was he just didn't understand the chemicals and the pads and the tools to the level that I did. And so it didn't make somebody better or worse, but I'm able to expedite and get better results because I understand everything that I'm using. And I think a lot of times we just think that that's not a big deal, but man, if you know how, a 21 millimeter polisher works better than I do. You got a better chance of getting a better result. If you know how to pair it with the right pad, now you know how to mess around with compounds and polishes on, the, on an elite level. I mean, that, that's what the name of the game is. And so many guys think it's just, hey, put two dots. It's like, oh man, it, there's when you know things inside and out, you can really manipulate finishes on a level that most people don't want to want to put the time in. All right, so if you're like me, you're thinking then the biggest problem in processes is all those bastards that do the Mr. Miyagi. It's the biggest problem, right? <laughs> I mean, you can't, right? The biggest problem, the biggest process in detailing has to be the people that their hand goes circular instead of in a straight line, right? Is that that's the a biggest of, process problem, is it? I don't that, know. That's a hell of a myth, though, that caught on like wildfire, though, isn't it? Because we saw circular defects in clear coat spider webbing would be what we're talking about is that it was because somebody moved their hand in a circle rather than that's how the clear coat was designed to show that something bad was happening and that's just the design that they came up with is the spider webbing now the straight line thing where it actually originated from and this is a true story is that if you had something in your pad and you 
went into a circle, let's say you had like a tiny rock in your wash pad, you know, something happened, you got some kind of debris in there and you wiped in a circle, it's harder to fix a circular scratch like that you actually got on the surface. You're going to have to sand a bigger area rather than a straight line scratch that you could basically save more clear coat. It's unfortunate. It's now just been like, well, that's how you get all these that swirling. You know, it's like, no, that's not the original thought behind it. It was like, Hey, if you happen to get something in your towel and you're wiping in a circle, I mean, think of a big circle, deep scratch on your car rather than a straight line scratch. It's, it's going to be a lot more wrestler. All right. Toughest thing that you think people ever have to deal with for me. I listen, I, I'm going to go with two. I'm going to cheat. I give everybody a hard time on the community pub. Listen, I give them a hard time. I'm like, you got to pick one or two. And they're always like, I'm going to pick in the middle. And, pick yeah. both. and so now you're going to do it. Way so to go. I'm going to do it. Right? I'm going to be that guy. Lead by example. I'm going to be that guy. <laughs> I think the hardest thing for, for me, which is why I'm going to be that guy. And then I'm going to do the hardest thing. I think for people, hardest thing for me, the hardest process has always been that, curvature around the the bottom of the the running board that uh, you know running board's a probably a wrong word but like on that range rover that bottom plastic piece that yeah. had a lot of scratches and had that curvature i'm dealing with a plastic piece i know i've got to be different than i've got to work with on metal and that to me is always the hardest part being able to get the the whether I'm using, of course, it'd be the best if you're using a rotor because it would never stop. But if you're using a DA or you can even do that on the part of the hood where you've got that curve. I mean, the DA that a lot of people yeah. get into it and I myself have struggled with keeping it rotating and keeping it moving around the curvature and making sure that I keep my hand at the right angle so that my pad continues to move. That to me, I think is one of the hardest processes of, of trying to work on. The one I think people struggle with the most is cleaning out in between the the, the, the driver's seat and the oh. console. Like <laughs> that's the process that seems to be so incredibly difficult. You like, know, you got somebody <laughs> listening right now. I'm like, man, I just ripped the seats out. I mean, come on. You already know there's somebody listening to going, oh, that's why you just ripped seats out, Marty. It's like, forget what the fact that insurance doesn't cover it. You know what I mean? Forget, forget that I don't know how the electronics work under there, but yeah, no, that's horrible. I mean, when you get one that's really beat up and you can just see down in there and you're like, Oh my God, I need to get this cleaned up. And you got compressed air and you got the air tool and you're reaching the vacuum in there. You're trying to get your hand in. I mean, dude, that that's a good call. That's probably a number one, you know, toughest thing you'll come across. That'll be up there on the list. I agree. All right. What about you though? I I think for me right now, the, the toughest thing from a process standpoint is understanding how far to push a one step. I think that's really tough on guys. You know, you'll see guys waste a lot of time on one steps. They won't really understand what they're trying to get out of it. We'll see, we'll get comments all the time, you know, I'm six, seven, eight hours into a car. I mean, I get those texts all the time. It's understand wanting to call it quits. That's the toughest thing, it, right? Like, you know, that's why we have the one pad. You know, that's really the thought behind it. We're going to be having a polish and hopefully an all-in-one that kind of make that, you know, both those products make it a little easier for guys. But I think you're right. I think guys, 
I was just uh, talking to somebody about this, that the biggest problem people have with DA polishers, which we didn't have when you and I started polishing, is they don't understand which hand controls everything and which they try to do a lot with their hand holding the handle rather than up by the pad controlling the whole process. And so I think the hardest thing people and don't realize what's wasting time is they don't really pay attention if it's not rotating. It sounds simple, but they'll go through a whole door panel and they'll be like, why didn't it correct anything? And you'll watch them and you go, well, the pad never spun once. Uh, they're just moving. And because it's not grabbing on anything, they don't think there's a problem. And so you look at, you know, what I call scalloping, where you talked about the, the pad stopping and stalling. Uh, you know, learning to scout, uh, scallop per, uh, parts of the panel and those kind of things. But, you know, I think people not understanding how a DA really works efficiently costs guys a lot of time. And so I, I'm going to piggyback a little bit on you. I think the number one, the number one hardest thing for guys right now is to leverage DA polishers and make it efficient because we know they won't burn paint. That's all great. But if you're taking 10 hours on a one step, which happens a lot more than people think, that means you have a tool issue. Listen, I, yeah, we don't even need to go into all these long-term, <laughs> how long it takes people to polish and work on paint. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you and I have heard wild stuff about claying. I mean, didn't we hear something crazy? Like it, dude was spending two hours claying a car. And again, I'm not saying this at all in judgment. I'm saying this is where misinformation about a clay bar leads a guy to kind of do wild stuff. I, I, I saw somebody, I do want to say this because we've talked about the clay bar. This is what I mean by information. Information is cancerous. So a gentleman did a video. Don't know him. Uh, actually does really good videos. I mean, they're, they're pretty entertaining on TikTok. Telling people that if they chemically decon the paint with an iron remover, you don't need the clay bar. Uh, not everything embedded in clear coat is iron. Uh, that's why you do both if they're, if it's a necessity, but now you go to the comments and there's a hundred comments and the ignorance just builds upon itself. And so think of all those people that are infected with bad information from one video, he's probably going to get a hundred thousand plus views on that video. And you go, Hmm, now I can see what I'm trying to tell people the cancerous information around products. Uh, clay bar serves a different purpose. <laughs> than iron remover deconning the paint. Uh, just like cleanse serves a different purpose than uh, Fuego, right? They're both in a decon process technically, but they don't do the same thing. And so I think for me, it's one of the most crazy things to see is how much process is misunderstood because again, what if that's the guy I follow? What if that's the guy I've believed in, right? I I'm just at a disadvantage. Yeah. So you mentioned the word purpose. That's definitely a, definitely a big part of who we are as a company. I believe heavy in people having purpose. It really is what takes you beyond having just passion into what you're doing to create more of a long-term lifestyle around things that you enjoy. So what do you think the biggest problem that people have with, with purpose? Because purpose sounds, sounds like a big deal. Yeah, I, I think you and I have run into this in the last six months in a big way. Uh, personally, with HyperClean's massive growth, we, we've started to now see problems that we have to solve as a company. 
back end stuff, warehouse stuff, uh, chemical manufacturing stuff, everything. And you start to really get relationships with a ton of different people, right? Some guys that are selling us raw chemical have no idea what we're dealing with on the microfides. You know, they're not in that business. They're not actually in detailing at all. They're just manufacturing raw materials. But all of the ones that are, you know, let's call it not very good to deal with or average seem to struggle with a big picture mindset. The one thing I struggled with in 2010 as I started my business, when I look back is I thought in small ways and it held me back. Meaning it's not about dreaming big. That's kind of a corny thing to say, in my opinion. What I'm talking about is figuring out what's important. What am I trying to accomplish? What gets me to my next level? What what things should I be concerned about? And this goes back to one of the greatest lines that changed my life from, from a customer of mine who's a huge defense contractor. Is he, he said, you can be right or you could be rich. You got to choose which one you want to be. And there's a lot of guys that want to sit on the internet and tell you how they know everything and want to get on a phone call and tell you they know everything and they don't want to listen and they don't want to see the big picture. And I've been there. Uh, I've been uh, you know, smaller picture. And those are the people myself, when I started, was, I was more concerned with being right on a subject than being rich. And as a business owner, that comes down to, you're not going to make very much money if you're sitting on the internet telling everybody all the time, uh, you know, why you're right on an issue that not everyone's going to agree on. Um, but I think it's the big picture problem. I think as a whole, our industry struggles with the big picture of what we want to accomplish. Is it, is it because this is something you and I've talked about and I'd love to know your thoughts. Is it, is it because we're, most of us are too isolated? Yeah. I mean, we've been hearing that a little bit more on, on our side of things is, is what's the detailers mindset. They kind of want to be left alone. They kind of want to do their own thing. They're not controllable. And maybe all that is true. Uh, I don't know to what extent, but a lot of guys miss a lot of opportunity because their head is down, their eyes are closed, their ears are closed, and they're concerned with the smallest things in this industry. The biggest things in this industry are the best things in this industry. Going and building a big company that does a lot of business is a great thing. Doesn't mean it has to be what you do, but we have a lot of guys just eking by because they're consumed with being right. Uh, they're, they're consumed with these small picture things. And, and what happens is they miss massive business deals. You and I've said this internally, as you get older, one of the craziest things that happens is you realize opportunities don't come all the time. The biggest lie everyone's told in their life is, oh, there'll be plenty of opportunities. Oh, there'll be plenty of opportunity. You just have no idea when it is. And let me give everybody my mistake. In 2008, 9, 10, the world collapsed. You know what I didn't do? I've missed out on two real estate deals that would have changed my life. Now, I took advantage of some real estate deals, but I missed out on two because I thought that I knew better. And I was like, oh, you know, no, no, that's not for me. And they were massive moneymakers. Since 2008, when I got offered that, I've never seen a real, real estate deal ever come that rivaled that deal. And it will never happen in my life again, statistically. So 
yes, I got the opportunity on these two deals, but the opportunity doesn't come again. And if you're not ready to take advantage of the opportunity, then it's not really worth very much getting the opportunity. And you and I have watched a bunch of people miss, you know, lose out on big customers or, you know, things like that because they didn't know how to take advantage of the opportunity. So people maybe don't take advantage of the opportunity because like you had said, is it because, well, we just, we know enough. You, you, you denied something you did away with because you're like, no, nah, I think I know better. Is there, there's, listen, this, <laughs> this is going to hit home for a lot of people that are listening and whether or not you're driving in your car or like me, you're mowing your yard or majority of our listeners have their headphones on and they're working on a car. Um, you know, the, the things that go on in a person, is it that, is it that, right? If we're talking about the biggest problems that we might have in the overall detailing industry, you think maybe some of it is a couple other ways, like maybe we're overvaluing ourselves. Oh, like <laughs> we, <laughs> we do such good work. We're so detailed. We can take a car that come into my shop looking like this and I can elevate it into looking like this. Does that, does that make me more important than other people? Does it make me like I'm so much better than other people? I don't know. Like there does seem, we call it a detailer's pride, right? Like almost seem to overvaluate themselves because yeah. they can do some good work here and there. Man, there's a lot of talented people. Uh, I mean, you and I know that. I mean, a lot of our listeners are extremely talented or guys in their garage just love working on their own cars. I, I think one of the things that's going to happen in this next recession is everybody's going to get the dose of reality that you and I got 8, 9, 10, and 11. Is it becomes real clear how much value you have because the world is, is slowing down. Business is slowing down. The car business is slowing down. We see now inventories up around us on car lots. Doesn't mean they're back to pre pandemic levels, but all of a sudden, some of these things are starting to normalize. I think it's a great observation, but I also think this man, I can only speak for my knucklehead mistakes. And all the mistakes I've ever made have come from that overvalued mentality where I'm like, well, if they don't want to pay, then, you know, that's on them. Enough people say, no, it isn't on them. Now you're not eating and now you're not paying your bills. And now, you know, I think this would be an interesting thing to kind of end this thought for me. You know, you may start out making a couple hundred bucks a week. You may start out making 500 bucks a month or a thousand bucks a month. And if you think to yourself, that's too little for me, you miss the opportunity that that could lead to a 2,000, 5,000, 10,000. Because I've had a lot of customers that started out paying us $250 for a service. And man, we worked hard for that 250 bucks. And I probably undervalued what we were doing and had to learn from it. You have stories like this. Then all of a sudden they go, hey, I got these other seven cars. And you're like, what? But I, had I turned down the 250, had I thought I was better than that, I would have never gotten the chance to build a 10-year customer. 
we see the same thing on our side of the business and hyperclean is look, man, you start somebody out and you give them all this opportunity. If they see it in the small window of, well, that's not a lot of money right now. Yeah. I never said it was. What I'm saying is it's a starting point and a starting point leads to you making several thousand, $10,000 a month. And that's what I think becomes something. If I could share with anybody, we've all been there. We've all been like, you know, I'm worth more than this. I, I, I sh but those times are so short lived on the way to success. It's not like you're undervalued for 10 straight years, right? You might just be undervalued for a few years, all while making money and all while figuring stuff out and too busy trying to be right during those two years and saying, you know, this service is really worth $1,700. You missed out on the thousand you could have made. You sat at home instead, man, times get tough. And, and all of a sudden you find guys out of detailing. And I think you and I have probably watched more people leave detailing because of misunderstanding the market than the market not needing detailing. Because remember, there's 300 and some 350 million people in the United States and, and millions and billions around the world. We don't have too many detailers. We just haven't not, we don't have enough people getting their car detailed. That that's the issue we have. And that oh. comes a lot from people not understanding what we do and guys overvaluing what the customer actually wants. So do you remember, you know, when you played football and you got into racing and other stuff later and uh, jujitsu? Yeah. I like, you know, you, you, you watch some guys that you just go, wow, they're, they're a physical specimen, their athletic ability. They were just created in this own special way. We had a guy, when, uh, when I was in college playing ball and I, I was literally, I was left out half the time. I, I wasn't that great. I, I shouldn't have ever played, but I just loved to play. So I just kept playing. And his name was Corey. He, he left our D2 school after one year. And the next year we saw him playing in a bowl game on Louisville. He was just this yeah. amazing specimen that was an athlete. His biggest problem though, the reason why probably shouldn't have ever been at our small little D2 school. The reason why he didn't make it at Louisville, the reason why he didn't go pro, well, the dude had a horrible, horrible work ethic. Yep. He was blessed with so much skill that he didn't really think he should work hard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> listen. The world's littered with that, right? I mean, we all know you could name 10 guys, you know, should have been in the league somewhere you know, built different, walk different, act different, and then just didn't have the, the biggest part of it, which was working at it. You know, this is what makes MJ MJ. He is given all these gifts, but he also works harder than everyone else. And that that's when you get a Tiger Woods, a Michael Jordan, those types of people. Right. And I think I, I, I realize what you're putting down here is how many guys don't admit that when you start your detailing world, you got to put the work in above anything else. The rest of the stuff is kind of irrelevant. If I, if I work 12 hours a day and you work two hours a day, I'm going to win. That that's just the way it goes. And I've, we've shared these stories. Look, man, that hard work's not for everybody. That's why so many guys starting a detailing business, I go, hmm, man, just, go to the nicest detail shop and get a gig and get an hourly and go enjoy your life. Cause you really love polish and paint. 
you want to do this business thing? Good luck. Because I know what it takes to win. And it's, <laughs> I mean, we know guys vacationing every weekend and they just opened a business or they just got a shop or, I mean, Marty, that stuff doesn't work. I mean, there's not a business owner that's been successful that tells you it does. It doesn't matter if it's detailing or not. Well, work ethic ain't fun. No, dude, no. <laughs> I, I mean, mean I, we would all rather, right? We would yeah. all rather. Yeah. And, and but, look, I sacrificed some things looking back that I go, ah, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Could have done this different. But I'd rather say now that I put the work in and I don't have a regret, then if I didn't put the work in, I wasn't here and I go, oh man, I should have, I could have that to me. I, I can't live with that. And I think that's what a lot of people who, who make it in this business have make it in any business. Really. It's not just detailing. It's not even guys that want to detail their own car at an elite level. You should never be done working on your process. So think about the work ethic, just taking care of your own car to the highest level. So you can go to the Saturday car show. You go to the Saturday car show and 99% of them look like trash. And this guy, you go, man, he's really sticking out. You know what he's done? He's worked at it. He didn't start there. He's, he's just the guy that was willing to put in the work. That That's the whole thing about process. Process is really not about intelligent or anything else. It's about what guy kept learning from his mistake and was like, oh, I'll get better at this. Ah, we got to do this better. I mean, isn't that how we all got to an elite process? We we're like, man, we really screwed that up. No doubt. No doubt. I definitely screwed up plenty of my days. Oh, well, dude. <laughs> I think I did yesterday too. I can't tell. Exactly. Yeah, I know have to that. find out tomorrow. Yeah, I'll te <laughs> I'll text you guys what he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Nick. Have all a great right, week, brother. Talk to you soon. See ya. Hey, this is Marshall. And I know you're like me. You're curious. What problems are you going to have? How are you going to overcome them? What's it going to take? Is that you? Maybe you're going, gosh, I got plenty of problems now. I got to work on my problems now. How am I going to do this? How am I going to get through it? You question. You're curious. Well, it's part of the journey. No doubt about it. How do you get over problems? How do you work through them? How do you get? There's all kinds of ways. The one thing that I know that you're going to need to do is have a good positive outlook on your journey. Have a positive outlook about who you are and how much work it's going to take. Talk with those that are close to you of how much work it's going to take. Those of you that might be in your home with you and they want you at home instead of working so much, or they want you attentive instead of working so much. Well, to do something that very few people get to do, it's going to take a lot more work than most are willing to put in. But you know what? You're the type of person that is going to succeed. You're the type of person that has people around you that are going to come in and support you during your hard times. And they're going to help you during your times of relaxation and recovery so that you can continue to work harder and harder and harder. It's a journey. It's a process. It's why I say make it a great day. It takes work to make a great day. You don't just get to have it, but you make it a great day with hard work. This is Marshall. <laughs> Make it a great day.